Okay, welcome back. You're in the war room. It is, we're live. It is Saturday, the 20th of August, year of our Lord 2022, with what, 80 days to go. We're here in Springfield, Missouri, to make sure what happened in 2020 never happens again. So for two days, we're at the Moment of Truth Summit. We're going to go to the main stage right now, Mike Lindell and the President's lawyer, Jenna Ellis. Okay, how do you explain this? How do you explain that? There were so many anomalies, weren't there? So many deviations from a normal election that it was like shocking. It was like, which one do I start with? You said it good earlier. You go, this wasn't just like one little case. It was like hundreds within a, you know, every state, right? Right. And, and so what was happening in the immediate aftermath was that we were getting so many reports and so many affidavits. And, and by the way, what the media won't tell you as well is that when I was subpoenaed by the January 6th committee, part of that was also a subpoena for documents. So with a consent, of course, of President Trump, I gave them over 9,000 pages of documents that I had that included affidavits and statements from poll workers, poll watchers, election officials who were all reporting all of these anomalies. Do you hear that? How many wow. outlets reported that? Right. Zero. Zero. But what are they reporting? You know, the headline in Yahoo this morning is that I'm tweeting, you know, against Rachel Maddow or something because that's all that they have. Right. They don't want to cover this. Yeah, they don't want to cover it. That's what we're up against. That's the biggest thing. If you're watching from home, the this weekend will not fail as long as everybody shares this out and we get tens of millions of people to watch this summit. And that's fact. We had 4 million people watch the Cyber Symposium. I'd like to get 20 million people to watch this and spread it across the world what's coming. That's what we have to have. And um, one of the things you just heard, like the January 6th, that, that big charade there. A year ago, the FBI ruled on June 26th, they said nothing. there is no collusion between Donald Trump and his supporters. Should have been it. Case closed or whatever they had going on. FBI was probably doing it to cover their own tracks, but they, that's what they said. So this big charade, I'm surprised, you know, that you dumped 9,000 documents on them? 9,000, okay? They won't let me come there. I've asked them, please bring me there, even though I wasn't there on January 6th. I want to come there. You know why? They don't want to hear these things. So when you drop the 9,000 documents, they probably didn't expect it. They just suppressed it. Yeah, and and then I never heard from them again. Yeah, right? you know, right. because they don't did want get, it. They did they invite you there? So, uh, they didn't invite me for the public hearings, you know, of course. Right. But I did get a subpoena um, in terms of testifying. Right. But they don't, of course, want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. And they can you tell us a little bit now? This before before I let you go, everybody just now, and the the, the subpoena for Georgia is that the Rassenberger letter. I mean, the rest were recording, the best recording in history. You know, it, it covers, um, I think, you know, anything that they are wanting to look at in Fulton County. So they're trying, at Fulton County, instead of going after all the evidence and everything that they have to look into, they're, they're having this to go back and go after lawyers and people that were involved. Well, and this isn't just in Fulton County. This is against, uh, there are so many uh, Democrat-led uh, organizations like the 65 Project, for example, that have publicly said that their intention in trying to disbar me and 110 other Trump lawyers is to specifically destroy our credibility and take away our livelihoods. Wow. And that is, so I'm dealing with bar complaints. I was subpoenaed by the January 6th committee. I've been sued in uh, different states along with the president. Um, I also now have this subpoena out of Georgia, and they are purposefully 
trying so hard to attack every single person, especially lawyers, who represented President Trump. Why? So that lawyers will be intimidated and never represent another Republican on election claims. And that's what you're seeing going on when President Trump, you know, and then the media outlets like say, oh, he can't find any lawyers to represent. Well, a lot of lawyers are looking at this and going, I don't know if I want to put my bar license online. My challenge to them is, do you care about your country? I wouldn't do anything differently. Even if they prevail, which I hope they don't and pray for me, but even if, I would never stand down from representing a client who may, it maybe is a political opponent of the Democrats, whose last name is Trump. I don't care. I am proud to be a lawyer, and that is how our system has to work in the adversarial process. Otherwise, we never get to the truth. That's right. Well, thank you, Jenna. And I'll tell you what, let's give her the biggest hand. She has courage, and we need to pray for all the lawyers in our country to stand up and have courage like Jenna going forward. Thank God bless you. Thank you. And please, one last thing for all of this, please, please donate to LindellDefenseFund.org because that has been a huge help for a lot of us and for Mike, who is, um, who is willing to put himself and his credibility. Okay, welcome back. You're on main stage is Jenna Ellis uh, with Mike Lindell. Uh, as we in the Moment of Truth uh, Conference we're Summit, we're here in Springfield, Missouri. Got a special guest. It's not too far. We got the hot. We got the. We got the. the uh, are you the more handsome of the two twins? I would say so. Okay, I don't want to say Joe's obvious. the intellectual. We're gonna have Joe on about his book tomorrow. Uh, tell us about why is Gateway Pundit here? Why is this important? Why is this not a waste of time? We're taking our eye off the ball and not focused on eight November, sir. You know, Steve, uh, it's been a couple of years now. Uh, we've been doing this, and I think I have more resolve today than I ever have. Um, I, I, I sit here and I listen to uh, the media still say and insist in their articles all over the place that, uh, you know, the big lie, this was a big lie, there was no fraud. And we have identified over the past two years so many instances of absolute fraud and uh, irregular activity, corrupt activity, um, illegal activity, and uh, we continue down that road uh, because I understand, and this is why so many people love you, Steve, and that is that this, if we if we don't resolve this Amen. issue, we have nothing Amen. left. There's nothing else to fight they for. They don't have any respect for us. You have these controlled opposition Republicans who will just go along. They understand they stole it. Got to remember, they know in their heart of hearts they stole it. They also understand that unless you stand up to it, nothing else matters. You can talk tax policy and talk anything. This is why they're allowing an invasion on the southern border. This is why they're kowtowing to the CCP. This is why they passed this new this. Uh, Build Back Better bill just right in our right. face at the last moment. They Absolutely. have no respect for the Republicans. Right. The reason is they know the Republicans will sit there and roll over. And they talk about elections being in the future. The future is now. It's, we're in the moment. And this right. is why it's so important. What the, here's what's going to happen. Today, you're having a summary of how we got here. And then you go to state by state. And then tomorrow, we're going to the trial of machines. But most important, the call to action. This is about November 8th and not allowing it to happen again. Absolutely. And you know, Steve, it's a big tell from the Democrats. With, we're in a recession. We have an 8.6% inflation. And Nancy Pelosi and Democrats vote 100% on a $700 billion spending bill that gives jobs to China, that gives jobs to Canada, that uh, uh, moves us to a green economy that puts puts us out of work. 
they only do that because they're not worried. They're it, not it's worried. a big tell to me yes. that the the it's it's the fix is in still for and on November eighth. They think November 8th. They're, they're so cocky right now and arrogant. They think they, they can pass shove things. it in your face just like Nancy Pelosi going to. Going, and I was just talking to our friends on the sideline here. Nancy Pelosi going to Asia with her son in tow, Paul Pelosi Jr. We reported this on the Gateway Pundit. There were, we have photos of her traveling from country to country. Paul Pelosi Jr., this is the guy who's the lobbyist. This is a guy who's been uh, written about for very shady deals he's had, just like Hunter, Hunter Biden. And um, they don't care. She, he's traveling right with her. This is, this is you think they plan a, You think they plan a big deal for November 8th? I think, uh, I don't think they're worried. That's the tell, right? And their actions show that. Now, so but for we every have person to do, out we there, have to do yes. much more. For, we, for people out there, you can't give up. This right, is the fight. Right. Room. And I'm not saying people give up. I'm not saying people get discouraged. I'm saying people need to be, uh, sign up for the poll workers. We need, we need GOP observers inside the room. That shouldn't be a we controversial thing. We need MAGA and deplorables right? inside the room. They, they, they shouldn't be getting locked out. That, that never should have happened. Why wasn't the police called? Why wasn't it shut down? It happened in state after state. That's one thing. We have to understand where these ballots go once they're returned to the post office. Where the hell are all these going? Yeah. Is, are these the ballots that are turning up in, in, in uh, the, the ballot drop boxes? We don't know this. But why isn't why is thousand mules. Right. And another thing, Steve, I was just going to mention, it was a year ago today, uh, the past couple of days, where the people were falling off the planes in Kabul. Right? One year ago, we have a disastrous president. Uh, Republicans should be winning, as you have said, a hundred seats, and we should be having no problem in the Senate. These people need to start fighting, though, and quit listening to some of these rhinos. By so, way, that's why we're today we're going to Florida and New York with these candidates. Every candidate we're going to, every one of these fighters are all part of the three November movement. We got to get to the bottom of how they stole it. Look, Biden's illegitimate. On your watch, you're going to just sit there and have an illegitimate president and have the have the Republicans roll over and say no. it's fine. We know the people on our side. The largest turnout in the history of Wyoming as a state in a Republican primary was on Tuesday to specifically keep people came out to blow out the Cheneys and say bye bye. we're tired of this. We're tired of the way things are. We want fighters. That's right. Steve, I brought you a present. Oh I wanted gosh, to show this on, on. I uh, would only, I mean, people do this. I want to let Jim Hoff do this because of my long just history once, of Jim and Hoff. Probably only once, right? So I did a talk in uh, Michigan recently. And uh, after I did the talk, this friend of mine who was there came up and said, Hey, you know Steve Bannon. Can you give Steve Bannon this hat? And he made oh, wow. a hat wow. that's uh, a war room hat. Wow, war room posse. Look at that. Look at that. And so I promised him I'd bring it to him. His name is Rick Sweat from Michigan. Rick Sweat. And uh, here he is. Uh, hey, Rick. Sorry about that, Rick. Hey, Rick. Uh, here he is. And uh, he made that for uh, Steve Bannon. Oh, my God. Rick, anyway. thank you. Hey, brother, is that thank awesome? you so much. I appreciate that. We're going to do a, a reach out. Look at that. War room posse. Very Maybe cool. we'll have some merch before too long, right? <laughs> so, I love that. Three it's horsemen a, right awesome, there. Three horsemen of the apocalypse on the yeah. Warren Posse. It's Rick, uh, what's his name? Rick? Rick Sweat. Rick Sweat up in Michigan. Love the folks up yeah. in Michigan. Warren Posse. Traverse City. Uh, I want to say I love Traverse City. Uh, the Michael Moore's hometown, right? Right, right around there. Um, Hoft, you guys, uh, you were Andrew Breitbart's, uh, really his partner in crime when you guys started. Uh, he would be so proud of what the oh, Gateway Pun has become today. You guys are the number one site. For getting the truth out there, it's just absolutely incredible. Really so, appreciate it. Steve. No, it's amazing reporting. You got everything. Thank you, you for the your C support. You got yep. the CCP. You've got everything. We're gonna have Joe go. on tomorrow 
Joe's the smarter of the brothers. Jim's the, <laughs> the handsomer of the twins. Joe's on got a new book out tomorrow, and we're going to talk about that Great. tomorrow morning on the You'll show. You'll be excited to talk to you. Thanks, okay. Steve. Thanks, brother. Good to see you okay. always. Let's go back to the main stage here. It's Kurt Olson, one of the top lawyers. Let's go to the main stage. But at the time, he only agreed to consider it. The other AGs wouldn't even listen. They didn't want to touch it. You know, similar to what you saw earlier where A.G. Barr had directed the U.S. Attorney of, of uh, Pennsylvania to not pursue election fraud. Nobody wanted to touch us. This was a, a politically, for, for any A.G., and in particular A.G. Paxton, politically very dangerous. So he wanted to make sure that everything fit his standards. So we were working with his office and making sure that the complaint pled all the allegations, both the constitutional violations, as well as, you know, there was significant evidence of, at a minimum, illegal ballots, and if not outright fraud. But the main claim of the, of the Supreme, of the case was based on the constitutional violations. That all these changes under the guise of COVID, that you know, the flooding of millions of mail-in ballots, the doing away with signature verification, drop boxes, and so forth, all of which had one effect. It makes it easier to cheat. Not one of the changes that these secretaries of state and the state courts and the governors implemented made the election more secure. It did just the opposite. And so we filed that complaint Hey, Kurt, we have the complainer. I want to ask you something when you said about uh, um, Attorney General Paxton. It, it, can you just right there, you, we've, uh, when you talk about all these things these other states did that were illegal because the legislatures make the law, right? Correct. Okay. In Texas, everybody, 12 Ken fought that law. Ken Paxton fought those laws before the election. Though I'm not those laws. He fought changes to the state of Texas. And he went, was it 12 cases? He won all 12 so that Texas wasn't taken but the machines. And this is fact. Texas was 500,000 votes that Donald Trump won by, but in reality, he won by 1.5 million. They would have took Texas if the, if Ben Paxton did not win those. They ran out of names to pull. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. But the, um, Texas was the second most attacked state with numbers wise, second only to California for the number of votes stolen. So, and they, but so just for Ken Paxton there, um, he, he did other things. So he actually then believed in the complaint you wrote. Is that correct? And he did. I mean, there were significant. Uh, and here I'll put it up here. This is the actual complaint, huh? So this is the introduction. Okay. Do you want me to go to the complaint? Well, no, let's, let's. No, that's Mastriano's letter. We'll get to okay, that. You okay. Okay. back. All right. Here we go. And so this is the complaint that was the introduction, which was actually filed with the Supreme Court. It's actually a much more detailed complaint. Too long to read here, but there's one sentence that that to me was one of the most powerful statements, and it's the first sentence where it says, "Our country stands at an important crossroads. Either the Constitution matters and must be followed." even when some officials consider it inconvenient or out of date or it is simply a piece of parchment on display at the National Archives. We ask the court to choose the former. And that, that really, that set the entire basis of the complaint. And if you recall, right after we filed, all of a sudden, all these other states got courage. 
maybe the ones that we had talked to that didn't want to have anything to do with this, but because Ken Paxton had the courage to step forward and file this complaint, 18 other states joined in that action. They either outright tried to join it, six did, or they filed what are called amicus curiae briefs in support of it. We had over 100 Republican House members file supporting briefs. I mean, it was electric. I can remember that, you know, I'd been up for 48 hours before we filed without sleep, going through changes and edits and everything else. And we were all exhausted. But it was this electric moment when this flood of other states came in to support it. I think it was like, you know, for us, it was like time stood still. Like, you know, it was right, just, it right. was incredible. Now, were you under a time constraint there? Would it have to be done by a certain day? So we needed to get it in before December 14th when the, certi when the electors would be right. certified. And so everything was under a crush. The court ordered a response by the defendant states, which they did, and then we again worked round the clock to respond. And as you know, the court declined without any uh, analysis saying that Texas did not have standing in a 7-2 to decision. So two justices, Justice Alito and Thomas, wanted to hear this case. The other seven declined to hear it without any kind of analysis other than to say that Texas did not have standing. And that was common with so many other lawsuits, right, uh, Kurt, with the, all the other lawsuits, people? That word standing, can you explain? They just say you don't have standing, so they throw it. They don't look at it, right? It's a way to kind of kick the can? It, it's a way to get rid of a case. You say that you don't have injury in accordance with, you know, the law, that right. you, cannot, you cannot show injury. Right. And that's a requirement that the Supreme Court... So they were trying to say that Texas didn't have injury for what was done in Pennsylvania and so on. Correct. Even though clearly when you look at what's happening now in terms of the effect of an election that, and, and I will say it, I believe it was stolen. It was rigged. And so that affects every state. So if states like Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Georgia and and Michigan, you know, cheat with the laws, unconstitutionally change election laws, and as a consequence, there are elections that put forward, in this case, a president or a congressman or a senator who did not rightfully win that election. It's, the election was not conducted in accordance with the law. That affects all states. Right. It affects all of us. And it can be... Uh, yeah, yeah. They, when you talk about standing, I'm going to say something there. When you when you just said it affects, you know, it affects things. Um, one of the things I want to tell you that's coming up tomorrow too. I, I want to kind of do a little commercials for tomorrow. There was an election in Georgia just this last May. It was a primary with three Democrats, and it's one of my favorite stories to tell. And I think Garland may be talking about it a little later. But this Democrat, this nice lady, and her husband woke up with zero votes in her own precinct. That's pretty obvious how huh? there's something wrong. And old Brad says, gee, we maybe should have gave her two votes so she wouldn't have a leg to stand on, her and her husband. Nobody else likes you, ma'am. Um, you know. But they looked inside the machines and they, they did, and they did it in two days and they found 3,700 and some votes, which catapulted her from third to first. That got corrected almost immediately. So they, um, but I want to talk about the standing because um, I think we're, you know, we're in a different time now. 
and this is what we need to pray for too. When we leave this summit and after two days, one of the things you look back on, another miracle, right, that back then that this these were judges too. And they, they pushed it out for standing. It wasn't the right timing, everybody. If they would have overturned stuff then and whatever and, and done things then, we wouldn't be at the place. The big thing is if you have voting machines in your country, you lose your country forever. So it ever would have been done back there. There's no secure machines, period. No blockchain, no nothing. It's over. You lose your country. The machines have to go. And, and I pray for, I pray for judges. One of the things I believe, Kurt, that the judges are going to bring this country back. And we're going to talk about that more tomorrow night at the call to action. We need to pray for their courage. Like I said earlier, they have friends, family. They have, um, grandchildren, neighbors. You know, all of you out there watching need to watch and encourage them to be judges and accept to look at cases rather than push them to standing. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a couple other points to, to bring out because the story doesn't end when the Supreme Court declined to hear that case. Shortly after that, I met the president, President Trump, mm -hmm. and we had an idea, we being the attorneys, that if the United States would be a plaintiff, then there would be no issue as to standing. Right. There is Supreme Court case law that the United States, it's called parents petri, the United States is the parent of all citizens. And it's unquestionable that they would have standing to bring this suit. So we didn't quit. We didn't give up. You know, I'm, I'm a, I had the honor of serving as a, as a Navy SEAL earlier, and we don't quit. And in one of the, I mean, I believe that the reason why we're here together is divine providence. And so many examples. Okay, uh, we're at the summit. <laughs> we're at the Moment of Truth Summit. I was so mesmerized by my photo. No, we're the Moment of Truth Summit in Springfield, Missouri. I'm here with Calamity Jane Zirkle. She's the War Room's uh, indefatigable correspondents all over the country. Uh, Jane, first off, tell us about uh, being outside the courtroom the other day with President Trump and, and, and also the rallies. You're the first one. I think you had over 2 million uh, downloads on your videos about the Trump, spontaneous Trump rallies on that bridge. Tell us what it was like down at Palm Beach this week after the, uh, after the jackbooted raid by the a new American Gestapo, the FBI. Well, following the raid on Mar-a-Lago, it was uh, quite an amazing scene. The energy down in Palm Beach was absolutely explosive. We saw a multitude of support for President Trump outside of Mar-a-Lago for days and days after the raid. Despite the heat and the Florida weather, President Trump's supporters stayed there, and they stayed out to show him how much they love him and support him. And outside of the courthouse um, this past Thursday, Day. Again, we saw more support for President Trump. And Has this raid galvanized people, you think? It's, it's actually brought back the spirit of MAGA even more than it was? I'm telling you, Steve, the, what the FBI and the DOJ did on August 8th, 2022, is fueling the victory that we are going to see on November 8th. Wow, that's incredible. Talk to us about, we're here at the moment of the truth summer, we're going back to the main stage in a second. You've gone to Turning Point USA for us, you went to CPAC, we have you try to focus on young people in this rising tide of this new generation of MAGA. Do they care about uh, November 3rd, do they care about getting to the bottom of the election in 2020? Or do the young people think, hey, this is all kind of a waste of time, we've got to focus on other issues? 
Absolutely. They understand that free and fair elections are essential to the United States of America. They understand that without election integrity, we lose our freedoms. We lose our rights. You know, I was 18 years old when I cast my first vote ever for Donald J. Trump, and I simultaneously was working with Rudy Giuliani. And, you know, while I had the amazing opportunity to cast a vote and let my voice be heard, I saw a multitude of evidence that indicated that my vote may have not, you know, counted the way I intended for it to. And that's what young people across this country are seeing. So when you're at Turning Point, you're at CPAC, you're at these conferences, young people are as engaged in this voter integrity issue to make sure that we just can't get rolled over, that we're going to fight back and not let these elections be stolen? Definitely. You know, they are hitting the ground running. They are getting involved with local campaigns and grassroots activism. They're knocking the doors. They are making the phone calls. They are mobilizing against the Democrat Party because election integrity shouldn't be a Republican or Democrat issue. It is an American issue. Every person in this country is impacted by whether or not the election is secure, by whether or not their vote counts, because if we lose free and fair elections in this country, we lose the United States of America, the greatest country in the world, and we'll turn into communist China, and the young people of this country do not want to allow that to happen. Okay, once again, like at CPAC, like at Turning Point, Jane's going to be out here all weekend taking interviews, playing some of those interviews. She'll be back on here tomorrow with us. She's, uh, By the way, that outfit worked at CPAC, I guess at the great state of Missouri here, the the folks in uh, Missouri are going to get it too. Jane, uh, Calamity Jane will be out throughout the audience for the next two days getting interviews. We'll be putting them up on both War Room, Getter, and also here real america voice jane thank you for coming out here and doing all this hard work and thank you for sitting out in the sun it was the the day on the bridge was a long day people don't realize jane was there from early morning with the the rally and it kept building so we said hey let's keep it for the evening show so jane thank you so much for doing it let's go back to the main stage kurt olson one of president trump's lawyers and mike lindell's lawyers up on the main stage right at the summit of moment of truth in uh, springfield missouri looking into this investigating the president and all these circumstances an email was produced in which uh, acting AG Rosen called the idea insane. Wow. And so... Are you hearing this, everybody? And, and the, the reason why I was perplexed by that is because, as I said earlier, four Supreme Court justices had said in the Republican Party versus Book Bar that changing state election law by, in that case, a court, a non-legislative actor, would likely viol- succeed in the claim on violating the Constitution. This is not anything but insane, right. but it illustrates that there was this complete blackout on doing anything about did election that su- As an attorney, did that surprise you? That you Was it frustrating? It was incredibly frustrating, because it's no matter what side you're on, Free and fair and lawful elections are at the heart of our republic. It's, we, we cannot exist without people trusting the government or and trusting the elections. Up, you, right. It, that's right. And you bring up, they, let's, as long as we're just a quick, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep putting in little commercials to get rid of the machines. These numbers in Pennsylvania, when you get numbers of more votes than voters, um, it's just like that nice lady, that Democrat from Georgia that just got zero votes. That can't happen with people. It's machines. Does everybody get that? It's computers. Brrr, let's see what you get. You know, let's give Pennsylvania more votes than voters. That's in, that's just nonsense. This guy calls. Let's pursue it. Uh, pursue this case. Insane. Not pursuing it is insane. 
You know, that's just not, it's not even common sense. Well, even, even look at Pennsylvania, because the wonderful thing is people never gave up. And so when we looked at Pennsylvania's full voter export in February of 2021, after all the counties had reported, remember the excuse before was that, well, not all counties had reported. Well, as of February, they had. There are still more than 120,000 more votes than recorded voters in Pennsylvania. The election should never have been certified. Yeah. So, so why but what, but, but here's the, here's the wonderful thing. The court is going, the Supreme Court in June announced they're going to hear a case called Moore v. Harper. That's right. Yeah. So this October, they're going to hear it. This it is at the U.S. Supreme Court. Correct. Everybody, you need to hear this. This is so important because you all know the king, because you're going to hear about when I was only approaching all the attorney generals last year to bring stuff back to the Supreme Court. You're going to hear some of that tomorrow at the trial of the machine. But you need to hear right now that was uh, what's already there at the Supreme Court. It kind of, did it kind of come in under the radar? It, it kind of has, although it's garnered a lot of concern by the establishment and leftists. And the issue there, again, is exactly what we pled in our case. It's called the Independent State Legislator Doctrine, but basically under our Constitution, only state legislators make election law. In this case, a court overruled the state legislators' defining of congressional boundaries, the redistricting. And so this, this issue, we've come 180 degrees over the past two years. And not just with that case. I don't know if you heard, there was the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled four to three in July on this issue of unmanned drop boxes, which are clearly prohibited by Wisconsin law, yet the Wisconsin Election Commission said, free for all, all with, by the way, with tens of millions of dollars right. from Zuckerberg. I think you call it you know, Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. Um, so you know, this was all part of the way to violate election law and to make it easier to cheat. But what was critical in that Wisconsin Supreme Court decision is three of those justices, three of the four that ultimately ruled saying unmanned drop boxes violate the law. What Kurt's saying right there is this independent state legislature's uh, Supreme Court is about North Carolina. It's going to be next session. It is hugely, hugely important. This is where state legislature would have the final say so. As the Constitution says, for everything dealing with elections, the independent state legislatures, write that down. Kurt's going to have, I just wanted you to, with, but when Kurt leaves here, I'm going to tell you. He has worked every single day since I met him, 18 to 20 hours a day for this country, nonstop. And he's a spearheading all the stuff, kind of an overseer of all the preliminary injunctions and all the stuff going on in this country to get rid of the voting machines forever. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you. God bless him. Thank you. And now, everybody, what you all heard, we all seen this down in Georgia, um, that back in the day, this was another thing we all got that slipped through the news. Okay, it slipped through the news. And this was Javon Pulitzer. Welcome, Javon. Thank you, and they, um And they, um, and, um, with the, I guess you can, they, um, we'll show you. This was the, whoops, let's see here. Um, go back here. 
Um, I guess we have, do we have the video to play it? You want to play I, it? I heard they didn't have the video. Oh, they don't have the video. Okay, this is you. Why don't you tell us what you had to do at the, uh, we all seen this. You had to what, hack into a machine? You did it in real time. Tell us where you were, what happened, and how the media suppressed it. So we'd just been in Georgia. We were testifying in front of the Georgia Senate about election integrity, that there are issues with these machines. Remember about the machines. It's kind of like your gun at home. That's the hardware. You're the software. So if you plan by software, you can do bad things with a gun, right? Same thing with these machines. And so in testifying that these machines weren't reading the votes properly and had issues with it, we're doing this hearing all day long set up by Republicans. It's split Republicans, Democrats. As we get a couple of hours into the testimony showing them everything that was done, we had a team on the ground that had already been going around Georgia checking out all of the polling locations. And in the polling locations, there was Wi-Fi open. You could see it. Remember, if there's one door open, you can get in. And in these polling stations were TV devices, and they were communicating directly back to China. We could prove it, and we're showing it. So as we're discussing Wait, there, so where? China? China. Okay. Imagine oh. that, right? Anyway, as we're there testifying, and my time had already gone, my team calls me on the ground, various people are checking this and says, hey, look, we're right outside the courthouse. And check your screen. And on our screen, we are looking at what is ostensibly the poll pad. Who's holder of the poll pad? Let me give you its real name. It's called an iPad. Don't you know that an iPad is a computer? Well, what we could do is one door open, left open, any hacker's gonna walk in that door. It doesn't matter if you have a secure building, 10 stories tall, thousands rooms. If you leave one door open, you can get into everything. And so what we were looking at is the poll pad. The poll pad checks in every voter. At this hearing, that's what you were doing. Absolutely, at this hearing, checks in every person, uh, every voter, knows if they voted, they haven't voted, it's how they reconcile. Here's what you need to know about these poll pads. 6,996 of them deployed in Georgia. What they don't tell you is they're a meshed computing network. Means if you get into one, you can get into all 6,996 of them. So now you have a supercomputer. It's why a little bitty drone, you put them together, you can pick up a semi and fly it down the highway. It's because it's power computing in mass by a bunch of little. So all of a sudden we're sitting there, we're looking at everything that you should not be looking at. So it's not a black hack hack, it's a white hack hack. Now, even as bad as this is, while we are there testifying, in the Fulton County Courthouse, which stores the ballots, you saw pictures of pallets of pallets of extra ballots they should not have. In the break room were employees hiding in the break room, running in this senatorial runoff, running ballots into the machines in a break room. But they tell you this is the securest election ever. That should be your hint. Why did they come out before it was all over and tell us it was secure? Because they needed to psychologically mind mess with our mind. I'm telling you, these machines must go. It's software that does it. And if you can see anything in the machines in any way, you can get into the system. You get into the system, you can change anything you want in an election. Now, did you hack in right there on the stage? Right there. What we were doing is we're sitting there in the courthouse. Right. Uh, and then we've got teams all around. The teams buzz me and say, hey, look, basically we're in and we're looking at everything. So they notified me. The important part was here was it's not necessarily doing it, leave them leaving the door open. It was that we got it on the congressional record.
Right. right. Now, Georgia retaliated. Twelve hours later, I was on Ratsassburg's side as a treasure hunter and whatever, right? Sorry, so they attacked you? What? They attacked you? <laughs> they attack and call all kinds right, of right. names. But at the second time, all of the Republicans on that committee that brought it in to expose this were doing their job. One week later, every one of those Republicans were removed from the election integrity. Did you guys committees. hear this? They were removed. These were legislatures. Absolutely. You know, this is early on. You all seen when he was up there at this hearing, it slipped through the media. You might have been, uh, it might have been, who knows, the media, probably, we probably seen it when the media was actually attacking you. That's when we get our news. Absolutely. You know, it, and, came, uh, it came out mere hours later. They had to do a full frontal assault to discredit right. us, to discredit me, because they realized people were paying attention. And for the first time in history, during the session talking about election integrity, you're seeing real things happen wrong and being told about it. And that's what the system can't afford for you to know. Well, we're going to have you on a little bit longer in this story. Jovan's going to come up here and tell you about the, the, the Arizona audit, the famous Arizona audit, and why, how come Fox News went on TV and said that uh, Biden got more votes, even 12 more votes or whatever it was? He's going to tell you why a little later in the story. Thanks, Shabon. We'll Thank see you a little bit. The, um, okay. All right. Now I'm going to tell, uh, I'm going to tell, uh, my story here and get you all up to, thanks. Um, so now I'm going to tell you, we've all, you know, I was given a platform by God, uh, here in extract, the American dream on steroids, okay? And, and I, and I, but the platform I have is all your voices. Okay, we're at the Moment of Truth Summit here in Springfield, Missouri. We're at the uh, convention center. So here's what's going to happen is that over the next two days, Mike Lindell is uh, now bringing up some of the top experts, lawyers, technologists, to talk about how we got here from the evening of 3 November uh, all the way to now. I also hope that they start talking about Mark Elias and what, uh, you know, the Transition Integrity Project. Mark Elias, these guys had gamed this on the mail-in ballots uh, from the beginning. My theory of the case is that's still the primary way we got here. One of the interesting things about the machines, I'm not a machine guy, but they're here to, over the weekend. A big part of this is machines. I fervently believe we've got to take the machines out. We have to go to a France-like system, game day voting, all paper ballots, all counted by people in the community, double-checked and put up by 8 or 9, 10 o'clock at night. If France can do it, the United States can do it. We've got to go to that system. But what's interesting, when they're talking about the machines, you hear the drumbeat that this is somehow tied to the CCP. This is somehow tied to the CCP. This also gets back to uh, the True the Vote folks that had this uh, presentation in what was called the pit a couple of weeks ago in Arizona. Once again, a lot of fingers are pointing to the Chinese Communist Party of having infiltrated many of the NGOs and left-wing groups in this country and also has a, uh, a deep embedded uh, plant about what they're doing with our elections. That's all going to develop. It's one of the big parts of this uh, conference. What's going to happen, just to walk you through it logistically, is that Mike Lindell is going to continue to summarize for probably the next 30, 40 minutes, and then we're going to go into a presentation state by state in alphabetical order. You actually get to find out how what the voter fraud is, what people have found out, and you're going to be shocked. There's states like Montana. There are states like Utah. There are states like Alabama. These are MAGA states where we win by big majorities. Guess what? 
there's still huge problems in these states. So you're going to have state representatives. This is kind of the creme de la creme, the tip of the spear, the people that are working this every day. And you see it's a very uh, diffuse. It's not really a Mike Lindell run operation. This is state by state as it should be. Patriots are getting to the bottom, whether it's the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, these these controversial Michigan, Wisconsin, the ones that you know uh, by rote memory. But no, there's many, many more than that that you're going to hear from Minnesota, New Mexico, New Hampshire. And you can see how we can start to roll up absolutely massive landslide victories in the Electoral College. So uh, it's very important. We're going to go state by state. The big movie uh, tonight, Selection Code. And then tomorrow, there's going to be a religious uh, part in the morning. We're going to be live here uh, with also interviews from all over the country and also talking about the Great Awakening. We'll be live on Real America's Voice. A special war room will be 10 a.m. to 12 noon Eastern Daylight Time tomorrow. Also, Jane Zirkel, we're going to be doing interviews throughout the day. We're going to be coming back here, maybe breaking into the uh, to the Real American Voice programming to give you updates. Tomorrow afternoon for six hours is going to be the trial of the machines. People should understand we've invited the PR firms. We invited the surrogates. We invited the lawyers. We invited Dominion and their representatives to come on War Room on Monday and Tuesday, not in a confrontational, but to kind of respond to the trial of the machines going to happen tomorrow. You have to watch this. Mike Lindell is not just going to have lawyers. He's really going to have technology experts to go through everything. So that's tomorrow. And then tomorrow night from 7 to 9, uh, I think Central Time, we're going to have the uh, the call to action. This is exactly what needs to happen with every patriot out there about your involvement, about your uh, your commitment for November 8th. This is all about the midterm. So people sitting there going, oh, these guys are taking our off the ball. They're talking about the past. We need to talk about the future. The future is now. We won in 2020. We did not close. Just like in mergers and acquisitions, you can win the deal. But you need to close the deal. We won the deal in 2020. We didn't close the deal. We're never allowing that to happen again. We are closers. Remember, ABC, always be closing. Okay, that's the overall schedule. Let's go back to the main stage. Mike Lindell walks us through how we got here at the Summit uh, Moment of Truth in Springfield, Missouri. Black and white TVs. And the TV, we would turn them off as kids and would go down to this little tiny dot. And we'd sit and we'd turn it back on right before the dot went out. Okay? Well, that's the day the dot almost went out on the United States. And like Ronald Reagan said, if the lights go out here, if you, you go out everywhere. We're like a beacon on a hill, I think he said. And they, and that was the day we had to get by that day, everybody. But everybody that, everybody out there had fear. Nobody talked then. The people that weren't canceled, nobody talked. Heck, I'd call up my friends. They wouldn't even answer the phone. You know, I'm going, what, I lose all my friends? I thought Suckabuck had suppressed me on Facebook. I put up a picture and nobody liked it. It's because they were afraid. They were in fear to be associated with Mike Lindell. And then we really have, then what happened then, uh, it's, on, by, a, by a little miracle, well, a big miracle actually, on January 9th, I was given a call I actually Brandon House and there was a gal on the phone named Mary Fanning. And she had she had put this up on her site. She's a journalist, American Report. And you see these here. There's about two or three more pages. And I and they explained everything. It was machines. It was machines. I'm going, there's the answer. Of course it was, right? So these are just two pages of the report that we had went all and and uh, I grabbed it, I tried to get it out. Of course, uh um, and tell everyone about it, and uh, and I couldn't, I couldn't get it out. Everyone, you know, no one's answered my call. I go, I got to get it to the president. 
I got to get it to the president. So I go to, I get it. I finally, after getting suppressed there, it's too, I'm going to shorten this up. It's too long to tell you. It was a miracle that I got a meeting with him for five minutes on January 15th. I get in there and the story, I get shooed around and shooed around and I bring in there. I show him the evidence. And I said, by the way, it was just me and him and there was a couple other people in there. Um, in the, in the office, and uh, I said, you're only going to get five minutes. I said, Mr. President, I said, uh, this is evidence. This was with machines. It was with machines. And I said, by the way, I said, there's an envelope. It was a sealed envelope. I said, lawyers gave me this envelope and said, if I could get this meeting, they wanted me to give you this. That was sealed. Talked for a little bit, and um, um, Robert O'Brien was sitting there, and uh, he's a, I, I forget what he is, but he's sitting there and he listened to this and we actually got, I got into it with him somewhat and said, no, this is a, this is national security. This is it. And, um, I believe he is the part, the head of the national security, whatever it was. Anyway, the president said after he looked at this and, and he gave it to Robert O'Brien and he said, could you bring him upstairs to the lawyers and take a look at this and bring him back down and see what we have here? So I go upstairs to the lawyers and it's a, and they open up that other envelope and they, they all of a sudden they give me everything back in my hand and they bring me back downstairs to the West Wing and they, and the lady comes down, she says, we're not going to be able to meet you today. You're going to, it's going to be two hours, um, at minimum. And I said, I am not leaving till that guy and then our president tells me to leave. And, and they went back up the stairs, went back up the stairs to the lawyers and, and um, and now at that point, because she had said to her, I'm not leaving. I'm standing down there. I'm saying goodbye some, to a couple Secret Service guys and, you know, talking to them. It was January 15th. Well, I'll tell you the odds of this next thing happening, which to me is a little miracle you can't believe. I, I asked the gal to use my phone outside the West Wing. You can't do that, right? I'm getting my phone back. She looks around. Mike is, you know, go ahead. So I go out there to call my son and uh, my, my CEO, CEO of my pillow. And I go out there to call him. And remember, I have the papers in my hands on. To this day, I've never read them. Okay. Well, you all remember this famous picture. Okay. That picture was taken from a quarter mile away by the Washington Post. Some guy at the Washington Post. And I stood out and I stood there. And I watched, I'm on the phone with my son, and I look up and there, here's a, people coming over the hill like buffalo running. All the media is running over the hill. It looked like a, just a herd. There was, you know, 50 of them chirping with their cameras, you know. And they go right up to the White House. They go, Ert! stop right in front of the White House. They can't go any further. And I'm standing there and there's the Marine that's standing there. And I'm on the phone. I go, I gotta go. This is kind of weird. So I hang up with my son. And I said, and I turned to the media and I said, would you all like me to answer questions? Yes, they're all going crazy. I said, you know what? I changed my mind. I said, you all find something real nice to write about me. And I went back in the White House. Okay. I get back in the White House and I didn't know that picture was taken. At that moment in time, they came and got me, brought me upstairs and met with me for a little bit and said, yeah, we'll get back to you on that. And, and I went back downstairs. I said, I'm not leaving. I got, they said, no, you have to leave. Now those papers, you know, gone, but they, you know, like I say, I've never read those papers. By the way, those are the papers that said what on there? If you, if you mean martial law, that was to open up from them lawyers, right? 
And then it also said, if you see in there, Kurt Olson. That's all, that's all Kurt. Can you imagine Kurt sitting in his house going, his friends are going, what do you got? The My Pillows guy's got martial law papers at the White House and your name's on them. You know? So I, then they, uh, and Kurt's going, he's telling his wife, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know the guy. I don't, he's got a good pillow, right? And, um, so as I'm heading across the road, I left there and I was felt all defeated and, I called up my good friend Ben Carson and I said, Ben, I said, I didn't get done what needed to be done. I said, they, they shooed me out of there. And I said, um, um, and he said words to me at that moment in time. He said, well, Mike, maybe, maybe these dates don't mean nothing to God. You're November 3rd, December 14th, January 6th, January 20th. He says, this is all going to be on God's plan, whatever that plan is. And he gave me a peace, right? He gave me a peace at that moment. And and I got off the phone with him and there was 12 of us. We went over into I think it was Virginia to eat and and uh there was we were sitting at the table. My daughter at that moment in time she sent me that picture. It was all over the world news, number 1 in the world. Um dad, get out of there. What are you doing? And I'm looked down and go, Remember, this is nine days after January 6th, and you're running around the White House with martial law papers, right? It's not a good thing. But I looked at Kendra, I looked at Kendra, and I showed her, and it wasn't one of those, I've had stuff happen to me all my life, I've had guns to my head, swords to my throat, if you read my book, but this one was different. It was like where I didn't, my blood didn't go cold out of fear. It was almost like, wow. We both looked at it and we said, this was meant to be because there's something coming good out of this. And it was so significant that they, we both, I, the media started calling me. The first one that called was, uh, um, or I called, it was Jim Acosta. They're all calling. Every bad media outlet's got my phone. Every journalist in the country's got my direct phone. I don't use a publicist. They call me. They, they, they haven't called the last three weeks, by the way, all you bad media watching. You know, where, why aren't you talking now, journalist Jim Acosta? So here the first one, I called one of the papers in D.C. I think it was the Washington Examiner or one of them that's uh, semi in the middle or whatever. And I called them up and told them the real story of, that, that I was bringing evidence there. And those papers weren't mine, the martial law. I started just telling them, do you hear about China? Did you hear about attack? Did you hear about these machines? And I started that narrative telling them the truth. Well, Jim Acosta's beeping in. I get back. I go, Jim, I'm on the phone with the real reporter. You're going, you want to hold? He goes, yeah, I'll hold. He held for 26 minutes, okay? Now, from that day, from that day forward... My days consisted every single day from the morning I woke up to the morning I, night I went to bed of attacks by the media from around the world. My companies were attacked. And as you all know, this started happening. All these businesses started dropping my pillow. My vendors were attacked. I was attacked everywhere. A second grade teacher in school, you know, everywhere. It didn't matter. who. They were attacked by what? And every time they attack me, that the media, the left, the media attacked, and they call me up and they go, you know, Mike, you lost, uh, you lost Coles today. They canceled you or bed bath threw me on. I'm going, did you hear about China? Did you hear about Dominion Smart Med? Did you hear about these companies? Did you hear about our country? You know, I don't care about this. I want to, I, that got to the point where I was whole, I spaced them out each day so I could stay in the news. You know, it didn't matter if my company didn't matter because if I, if we lose our country, my company's gone anyway. And I, you know, and that's it. 
and and I and I dove into that. And my and by the grace of God, my employees just said, you know, instead of saying, "What are you doing?" We had been through attacks before, but nothing on this level, nothing like this in history. I did, you know, that we're attacked now. The um, the stores dropped. This is the this is the news that came out then as they're dropping. The stores drop my pillow after he pushes the leg. Like the stores are okay to do this, right? I didn't care. Then the media they would call me for that, right? And now I'm going to show you. Then we get to the Twitter when they banned the Twitter of my pillow. Now let me tell you about that, you guys. I ran out. The news quit attacking me, or, did, or they laid low for like two days. And I go, how could I get back in the news? I need to get back in the news. I got to get this to the world. So I laid in bed, and I had already lost my personal Twitter. And I go, it was 12:30 at night. They hadn't called me for a couple of days, and. uh I said, and I started using my MyPillow Twitter just antagonizing Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey, at Jack. You know, here's what at Jack did when he took down my Twitter. They had wrote a nice article about my recovery network. That was the last thing ever posted on Twitter. So, And Jack wouldn't take it down. And I needed to get some sleep. It's like 12.15 at night. And at 12.30, I kept antagonizing the bots and trolls. They go, take him down, Jack. He can't be using my pillow. He's been banned. Well, finally, I said, at Jack. We look, we know you were in on this and we look forward to the day you're behind bars. And, and boy, old Jack took it down, right? So that morning, it's the number one news story in the world. Okay. Mike Lindell's My Pillow. First time it happened to a company, My Pillow. So My Pillow loses their Twitter. Now, we'll go through, um, permanently suspended from Twitter. Now I'm going to show you what happened. And I want to tell you right now, here's what happened during that time, which I didn't understand. All these box stores are canceling me, and everyone's talking about cancel culture. But the media out there, over here, the good media, would not have me on to say why I was canceled. They want me to get on there and talk about cancel culture. Oh, it's bad to cancel culture. Don't you care about our country that we got to get rid of the machines and that these things happen? And this is why they wouldn't let me say why I was got canceled in the first place. So this happens. You might all remember this one. Okay, let's play this tape. Can you guys play? So it? Well, what happened? What what happened with your Twitter account and the uh, company page? Well, first mine was taken down because we have all the election fraud with these Dominion machines. We have a hundred percent proof. And then I. When they took it down um, uh, three weeks Mike, ago, I, and then I put it back up, my personal, I put a, it was a Mike, thing uh, thank you very much. Mike, Mike, I, you're talking about machines uh, that, that we at Newsmax have not been able to verify any of uh, those kinds of allegations. We just want to let people know that there's nothing substantive that we've seen. And let me read you something there. While there were some clear evidence of some cases of vote fraud and election Okay, uh, you hear a big round of applause there. Mike Lindell's telling his story about how he was shut down by social media. We're here, Real America's Voice. You're in the war room. We're wrapping up our coverage of the first day. This is the tee-off of how we actually got here. I want to put on screen, we've been able to get from uh, from the Lindell team and the sponsors, actually, the uh, order of battle of what's going to happen the rest of the day. You can see your state up there. I strongly recommend that everybody watch all of them. You're going to be absolutely shocked by what's going on state by state. But the thing that's going to give you the most, uh, the, the thing that's going to give you the most, uh, 
uh, enthusiasm is what is the quality of the teams, the quality of the teams on a state-by-state basis. This is the summit. We're going to go through the rest of the day today. Real America's Voice will be cutting in and out of uh, of their coverage. We'll be up on Getter Live. Jane Zirk will be out doing interviews. It's kind of the who's who of the election integrity movement here in Springfield, Missouri, at the Springfield Convention Center for the Moment of Truth Summit. We're going to put up on our Getter account uh, that which is going to be the order of battle. It's the order of battle is going to be how we're going to go through the entire all 50 states. They're obviously going to spend more time on some of the most controversial battleground states, but every state's going to be there, and you're going to be absolutely shocked about what you see. Tomorrow morning, we're going to be live back here for a special Sunday morning war room from 10 to noon. I think we've only done this a couple times in the impeachment. We did it once with uh, with Bobby Kennedy Jr. and the team when they had that rally at the uh, at the uh, at the National Mall and the Lincoln Memorial. We're going to be live here tomorrow from 10 a.m. to noon. Eastern Daylight Time. We're going to have a combination of interviews. We're also going to go to the main stage tomorrow morning uh, for the spiritual services. We're going to talk about the Great awa- great Awakening. We're going to leave the coverage here and turn it back over to Real America's Voice. They're going to be coming back in and out. Getter's got it live. You can watch this. And what you see right now is Mike Lindell is giving his story about how we got here. We're going to cut in probably the next 30 minutes to the state-by-state basis. I want to thank everybody and also all the candidates in New York and Florida, remember two massive primaries on uh, on Tuesday, particularly for the MAGA movement. The MAGA candidates are insurgent. These candidates have almost no money, but you see both in uh, in Florida and in New York, there's surging right now. We could have another clean sweep like we had in Arizona the other day. So I really want to thank I want to thank Real America's Voice, Harry, our producer, all the team that put on such a great show at CPAC. They're here helping us. This is the Moment of Truth Summit. It's live at Springfield, Missouri. This is Mike Lindell. It's kind of the follow-on to the Cyber Symposium yesterday. We're going to take a short commercial break. We'll return with Lance Wall now. We're going to be up on Getter. We'll be back here on Real America's Voice for a special edition of War Room. War Room Sunday morning, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. to 12 noon. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Just watch and see, it's all started, everything's begun, and you are over, cause we're taking down the CCP.